So you're busy this week. <laughs> uh, I've gone from being pretty busy to probably, I'm actually probably about as busy as you this week, right? Well, <laughs> it seems like uh, there's quite a few uh, commentators around. So if anyone is playing a local club match and they need commentators, <laughs> we have an abundance of tennis commentators just desperate for tennis to commentate on. <laughs> the news that Indian Wells, the first Masters, the first Premier Mandatory had been cancelled. I heard about it waking up in the morning, about to get the boys up, get them ready for school. And you pick up your phone. I know we probably shouldn't do this, but you immediately pick up your phone, have a look through and saw the breaking news that Indian Wells had been cancelled postponed when did you first because I remember messaging you but you must have you must have heard about it by that point well I was still asleep because I don't have uh, (laughs) four-year-olds to wake me up early Uh, but I woke up and had an abnormal amount of messages I almost had to double check is is it my birthday or something it was just a lot (laughs) of messages from lots of different people and yeah some of the groups had about 40 50 messages on that sort of thing and that was it, the news. And do you know what? I'm not going to say it came out of the blue because, of course, <laughs> sporting events have been under threat for some time. But it was quite, it was quite abrupt. We hadn't had any sort of warning before that this tournament was going to be cancelled. We hadn't heard of kind of lots of... It wasn't in a, a sort of a, a red zone area, as it were. Uh, but they obviously were told about the one case and decided to um, carry on the tournament. And... Yeah, and then it was just basically the, the. I spent a couple of hours just trying to get my bearings with it all because I was supposed to be commentating on the women that week, oh, that ten days. You were supposed to be doing the men's, so we were supposed to be very busy, uh, and now we're very free. I was very surprised. It the announcement came the day before everything was about to get underway. I was surprised, but then thinking about it, it makes it makes a lot of sense it's a weird one isn't it because it's it's the tour it's the atp tour it's the wta tour but they are individual events within the tour so it is a tour yeah. but you've got individual people and places with regards to the specific tournaments yeah i think of it like a franchise i'm not an expert on on a franchise uh, so I might be completely wrong with this, but my understanding of it is that you have sort of a product and then people pay you to use your product, if you see what I mean, like a restaurant sort of franchise. So, yeah, each individual tournament. So say we say, hey, we want to put on a tournament in Windsor. We want to do a WTA event. We go to the WTA. We pitch the event. We show them the facility. We pay them a fee. We put up the prize money. We organize the whole thing. We pay for everything. They have bits that they're responsible for, for it to be an official tournament, of course. Um, They're they're clearly involved, but it's that sort of thing. So each individual tournament is, some of them are run by federations. Some of them are run by management companies. So Miami famously is IMG, for example. We have other ones through the year as well. Some of them are kind of private just private organizations private club wimbledon is a private members club they put on the tournament each year it's just it's their tournament it's that that's it and they have to deal with the itf atp and wta so that's uh i'm sure that's fun but (laughs) but yeah so that's how i think of it what was your reaction once you'd got through all the messages on your various groups of people saying this is happening and you'd probably double checked on social media this actually was happening and yes we'll get to the element of of the work that we're not going to be doing because that's another big part of it when you're you're freelance in this world but the actual event not taking place now having had time to think about it what are your thoughts on it 
Well, the individual event for the two weeks, I think it makes sense. Uh, I mean, look, it's been a day since we found out the news, just over a day. Uh, and they had one case in the Coachella Valley and now it's up to six. So clearly it's going to spread very quickly. I don't know. Maybe they knew that the person had been in contact with a lot of people. I'm, I'm, I don't know the details. don't know any more than anybody else does. But this is, I mean, it, look, it, it is crazy, but it is also a reminder of just that whatever we think is really important in our lives, it is just tennis. And I know that it's very difficult for a lot of people, us included, because we now don't get to work. And there are lots of players, okay, the top players, I think they've got enough cash, they'll be fine. But some of the lower ranked players, the ones in qualifying, were relying on that money, have already spent money getting out there, all those sorts of things. But the world is bigger than that, I'm afraid. And and, and this is just, this is the way it goes. So I, I felt like initially, I my reaction was just fair enough. If they've got reason to believe that holding the event could contribute to um, speeding up the spread, which would be a disaster in terms of the pressure on the health services and, and the local population and, and all of those sorts of things. And then the people at the tournament then fly to Miami, <laughs> then go, you know, this is a, a global sport where... I, I mean, I think we're the most global sport in terms of the travel we do through the year, 11 months of the year, hitting so many different countries, uh, then come to Europe. And, and, you know, even if you're not thinking about the crowd, you're just thinking about the players and the staff, the hundreds of people that would be on site for that. I mean, it's we're a traveling circus, ultimately. You also have to look after your own. And India Wells is one of my favourite places. That I've told you many times I would happily, I'd happily go and live there. I don't play golf and people say you have to play golf to live there. I would live there. But it is a fairly ageing population. From When you go to the tournament, the security people, the people who are checking your bags, it is, I've, I've nearly been run over by a couple of golf carts in my time there of people who are definitely, I would say, heading towards 80. And as we, we have learnt with the coronavirus is more of a threat to the elderly, are more vulnerable to this virus, to this disease. And so you're in your wells and you're thinking, well, hang on a second, is it worth the risk? And as you said, look, it's just tennis. A lot of people are disappointed, but it's just, when you think of it like that, it's not worth the risk. And also, Indian Wells independently is a very wealthy tournament. Every year, I mean, it's the the fifth, it's the fifth slam, known as the fifth slam. Every year they change things just to change things. I remember from one year to the next and Centre Court, the seats changed. And I asked why. And they said, well, we had a budget and we needed something to do. The seats all changed. That's amazing. Lovely seats. But they they are not going to be hit. I don't believe financially as other some other smaller tournaments might really be at risk. But they're in a, a very healthy and lucky position and and it makes a lot of sense now they've said to the players they can I think the players are getting a week's free accommodation and the Indian Wells tennis garden is remaining open for practice I saw Ons Jabur was using the the practice area in front of the players restaurant uh, for a football match a little bit earlier so they're out there and John Millman posted a tweet saying he'd been due to practice one of the top players um, they understandably then pulled out because there's no tournament taking place. So he rang and said, I'm still going to be there. I'll still take the court. And they said, well, I'm afraid you can't have that court because you're not a top player <laughs> and you're not a past <laughs> champion or a Grand Slam champion. And he was like, Aww. OK, all right, I'm going to I'm going to change my court. But they're still allowed access to the facilities to stay there if they so wish. 
Yeah, that's the way it goes, John, I'm afraid. <laughs> Those are the rules. Um, it is quite interesting, of course. Practice courts are limited everywhere, although there's quite a few in New Wales. And, but it's also about the prime times, so the, the top players get to book their slots. They often get courts for longer than unseeded players do as well, and, and that sort of thing. Sometimes at tournaments, unseeded players have to share, uh, but the top players, again, kind of if you're top 10 or past champions, that sort of thing, uh, can have a court by themselves. There's all that sort of thing. So he, yeah, they were just saying, no, 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 <laughs> you can't benefit from this, John. Um, it wasn't your court. You were just on the court. It was somebody else's court that they booked. <laughs> but yeah, no, so that, 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 that sucks. But what do you think about, I mean, some of the players have come out and are basically saying that it's an overreaction to close the tournament with only one case. What did, what did you think about that? I think that's crazy. I think, I think it's the danger of social media. People put stuff up there and you kind of think, did they think about that before they put that up there? Or maybe, and, and you'll know this more than me, Maybe as a tennis player, are, are you stuck in a bubble? Are you in this world where maybe you're not aware of absolutely everything and you're just head down and focused? I, I think that's quite an insensitive thing to say because obviously people are dying of this disease. As I mentioned, especially in Indian Wells, it is an aging population. And I just, I just, oh, social media is dangerous. I just don't think why. Yeah, there's, there were polls put up. Good idea, bad idea. I mean, it was a bad idea to put that tweet up. <laughs> is is where I'm heading with that. You just think it through. Yeah. I mean, even oh. Rafa, who I'm sure would have been, you know, pretty frustrated that the tournament didn't go ahead, was, you know, thoughts are with people who were suffering this time all around the world because surely that's where your thoughts should be. Yeah. It's only tennis. Yes. It's it's there will be other tournaments and everyone's in the same boat. It's not as though they're saying to this say particular person you can't go because you're quarantined somewhere. It is everybody. The tournament is not happening. The the messages on social media saying about Roger Federer, what did he know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> this, uh, Why how does this happen? It's just <laughs> this guy. I mean seriously, how does everything always work out perfectly for Federer? He's probably he's coming back at the grass that's probably when I don't know I'm not saying probably that's possibly when we we might start playing properly again we don't know kind of what the, the situation is going to be or there, there might be tournaments where some players can't get there or, or whatever I don't know I mean we rely entirely on global travel and uh, I think Fed I, I'm not going to say he's laughing of course it's a very serious situation as I say but I think he's probably sitting at home with his feet up thinking Oh, well, that worked out well. If you were a player on tour now, what questions would you be asking and to who? What answers would you be looking for at this time? And how worried would you be? There aren't any answers, unfortunately. I, I know that people want to know, are we playing in Miami? Currently scheduled to go ahead as we, re we record this. But this is, India Wells was scheduled to go ahead until they had that local case. Um it changes so quickly and also just within the length of a tournament it's 10 days long 10 or 11 days long in Miami I mean how different have e has each country's situation been across 10 days we just don't know and then okay so then you play the tournament and what about if in the middle of that tournament then it said okay well now that's a red zone so if you come back from Miami or Florida you need to self-quarantine for two weeks well what about the other tournaments then you can't go and play those tournaments or whatever the decisions may be so it's just it's a completely fluid situation it's changing rapidly every single day and 
I, I just I don't think there are any questions that you can ask really other than should we go to Miami you just have to take it one week at a time and, and Miami is still two weeks away from beginning so of course of course the question is do we get any prize money the answer is going to be no unfortunately <laughs> because <laughs> tournaments you know they're a business we were talking a bit about how they work and for, for Indian Wells and Miami the prize money bill is absolutely colossal if they don't get tickets sold that's where that money comes from uh, as you say Larry Ellison may have been in a slightly different situation but that that they they need that because they have to pay millions of dollars out in prize money. If they cancel the tournament, they've suddenly saved themselves millions of dollars in prize money. So, yeah, oh, I don't know. There's just there's nothing there's nothing there's nothing you could ask really. We had a question from Louisa on Twitter saying, "I know you guys are going to address the cancellation of Indian Wells." Wanted us to touch upon whether tournaments have insurance against things like natural disasters, but also the players. What kind of insurance would you as a player have and what would that cover you for totally depends on your level and what insurance you buy (laughs) it's up to every individual isn't it I suppose but so is that the case in tennis because I know when you go on holiday say I'm going on holiday with the family there are different levels of insurance you can get to cover different things I just thought in tennis you were offered an insurance that covered everything but are there also different levels and different costs of insurance that you're offered yeah of course I'm going to say that Roger Federer's uh, insurance program is is possibly more comprehensive than Heather Watson's (laughs) for example Um, that's just that's just the way the way that it is but um, I don't know is the answer it seems by what people have kind of put on Twitter especially some of the lower ranked players are obviously concerned about being unemployed essentially they can't they can't work they can't earn their living and it's already pretty brutal in tennis because if you don't win you don't get paid okay there is some money for the first round but it's not like um you know something like a football where you're on a salary you know what you're getting whether you play whether you draw okay there are bonuses involved and whatever but I mean ultimately you don't actually have to be on the pitch to be earning any money. Whereas with tennis, if you're injured, don't get paid. Don't play the tournament, don't get paid. Tournament gets cancelled, don't get paid. It it is a a real risk, and particularly for the players who are lower down, who, yeah, you might look at their year-to-date earnings in terms of their prize money, and I'm sure it's very nice if we're talking about somebody ranked kind of 60, 70. But the, the amount of money to travel and fly your coach around and all of that, I mean, it really adds up. You're talking about six figures a year easily uh, to cover those expenses. So you've got to earn that before you then make any money. So there are going to be a lot of players who will be worried, but it seems like they don't necessarily have a, a great insurance situation. But I, I wouldn't know what that would be if a tournament gets cancelled. If this goes on for a long period of time and lots of these tournaments get cancelled, then I think it might start causing some issues. But uh, if it's just Indian Wells and maybe one other at some point, not pointing fingers at Rome, anyone? <laughs> <laughs> just <laughs> quite possibly. Uh, possibly Monte Carlo is quite close uh, to Italy as well. Yeah, I mean, if if it's just maybe one, two or three events, then everybody will be fine in the end. No one will be going under because they haven't earned the money from those tournaments. But if it turns out to be a long amount of time, then, yeah, that would be a big issue. Now, you might say that at the lower level tournaments, when you were playing them when you were younger, it almost felt like this. But 
And then this is a talk with Miami. Have you ever played a tournament behind closed doors where no one was watching you? I can say that <laughs> there are a lot of tennis tournaments where that happens. <laughs> so all of the challenges, <laughs> there's no one there. Yeah, tennis players would be entirely used to it. Like entirely used to it. I think, again, it's different to other sports in that sense. I mean, apart from kind of much, much smaller sports, but just comparing it to to the big sports globally. Um, even even some of the tour events, there are lots of matches, if, especially if your first match of the day, you can pretty much have about 20 people watching. That I mean, even at some of the, the, the bigger events, okay, not Indian Wells or Miami, of course, or not at a Grand Slam, but there are times, especially if it's like a little bit grey, bad weather, you're the first match out, Federer's on after you, everyone's having lunch, you know, whatever it is. Doubles, for example, doubles often again. So the players wouldn't be bothered about that. Possibly a Rafa might be bothered about that because he has not played without a crowd. Roger Federer hasn't practiced without a crowd <laughs> in God knows how long. So I think it would affect the top guys more than the lower ranked players. But then maybe it would work to their advantage. Maybe it would psych out the Djokovic's and the Nadal's and the Serena's that there is no crowd and no noise them to feed off. And then the, the player ranked 90 is laughing, saying, ah, this is my daily life, buddy. I'm ready. <laughs> It's such a strange one there. We're so used to tennis being continuous. 24-7, it doesn't really break. And even when it's meant to break in the off-season, it doesn't seem to because people are back in training camps and everything's being documented and there are exhibitions. It's, it's, it's quite weird. Therefore, this very, very big tournament has been cancelled. There is nothing taking place because everything was meant to be focused on Indian Wells. But also time to think about the people who work on the tournaments, journalists, because a lot of people who work in tennis, ourselves included, are freelance. So you work from tournament to tournament, you work for, for different people. And just, again, on social media, people who had arrived in, in Indian Wells, actually, I have to say, a fair few say it was really good in terms of official hotels. They didn't have to pay anything and, and airlines were very good as well. But you think about the guys that, that travel with tennis throughout the year some people using their own money to follow the tour and then they work on getting the work on site I mean that's that's another side of this that the, you could say tennis are freelancers tennis players are freelancers but there's also the people who follow the tour yeah a lot of people really um and it's just concerning it seems like from the people that we know or the people that we follow on twitter it seems like the announcement was just in the nick of time. A lot of people were due to fly that day and then didn't get on their flights. But can you imagine if somebody, there must be somebody who was on a plane when this news was breaking and they were... I mean, let's just say there are worse places to be stuck. If oh. there are worse places to be than Indian <laughs> Wells. I mean, if, if, I'm, if, I'm, if I'm flying in somewhere, then if someone said you have to stay here for a week, I mean, it's... But, but in terms of, yes, in terms of of the cost if if you have personally rather than the company you're working for paid for that flight and say you can't get it back and it's uh yeah the, i think it's it's everything else you you called it you know a tennis circus but there are there's so many people that are part of this traveling outfit that i think that's that's the concern i, I i'm not worried about nadal's and, and Djokovic's. Uh, they're going to be okay they're going to get through, they're going to get through this but as you talked about some of some of the lower ranked players we recently had the the challenger take place although that was full of you know Steve Johnson Jack Sock was the final of this challenger but it's i guess it's the players at that level and together 
with our colleagues, you know, some of who are, are using their own money to get out to the tournaments. There's so much involved in this sort of situation. I mean, really, it's it's quite an... It's obviously extraordinary. It's unprecedented, really. I mean, the last huge drama I can remember in terms of travel affecting the tour was probably the Ash Cloud. Ah, yes. Where people yes. just were stuck and you don't, there's nothing you can do about it. There's ash up there. They ain't flying. <laughs> Wherever you are, you're going to stay there. Um, so that was probably the last time that we had... So it didn't affect yeah, it yeah. to this point of cancelling a tournament. But I don't, were you stuck in the ash cloud? No. Oh, sorry. The way you were saying that was as if, ah. Oh, yeah. No, I just, I, I do just, <laughs> I do just remember it at this time when people couldn't get anywhere and there was nothing they could do about it. And it was it's like 2012-ish or something, 20, something like that. I don't know. I'm going to let you make up the year because that's your Who's area. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, look, the worry is here. We, and we're not going to speculate it because we don't, we're not experts in the field. We don't know enough about it, but you just don't know how it's, it's going to develop. And yeah, and also as I say, we do have to think about these events in in that, like we were saying at the beginning, they're all individually run. A lot of them don't really make any money, to be honest. Um, okay, the the really big events do, of course. And Miami and Indian Wells would make a lot of money, but there is a lot of money invested before the tournament. Let's look at Miami, supposed to be starting within two weeks. They've built a court in the stadium. They've put up all of the facilities. It's not a permanent situation. Not like Indian Wells where the courts are there. They're there. They're there all year. And actually, you know, you could just say, okay, right, Indian Wells is on in September or whatever. I don't think they're going to do that. But you could just do that. Well, you, you can't do that with Miami. It's now or never. And also they've put in so much money to get it built. So if it was to be cancelled, it would be losing a, a huge amount of cash. But the thing about playing it behind closed doors, again, I can see how it works in rugby. I can see how it works in football, maybe even cricket, all those sorts of sports. But for tennis, when it's based off prize money, that is very, very different. There aren't a huge amount of sports that are based off prize money in terms of the big ones. Really, tennis and and golf are the two main ones. If the, the event doesn't go ahead, then the prize money isn't paid which is millions of, of millions of, of dollars. Whereas for something like rugby, say it's the Six Nations, for example, those players are being paid by their own governing bodies, not by the event, my understanding. But if it's behind closed doors, say Miami were to proceed behind closed doors, they're still getting the TV revenue. So they're not getting the ticket sales, not getting the people coming on buying merchandise and, and food and drink, but they've still got the TV revenue coming in. Yeah, which of course is absolutely huge, but to cost, to, but to pay for the running of the tournament, the building of the court and the millions of dollars in prize money, it won't cover it. They will, 100%, they will be hitting a loss there. I, I can't see how they would make money out of that because, you know, the tennis tournaments are just are not huge money-making machines unless the TV rights are astronomical, which they only really are for the Grand Slams. And the other big thing is going to be if the big players decide that it's too risky and they don't travel to the event. So we've got Miami coming up next. If it goes ahead and we're recording this on the Tuesday of the week that Indian Wells was due to start. But if some of the the big female and male tennis players say, I'm not going to risk it. I actually don't want to risk it. I've had this and I think this. Then that's that's another blow to the tournament that's going ahead and suddenly you don't have I don't know the defending champion and and half of the top 10 and that's that's another blow to the tournament because some of these 
very, very big stars will bring the people through the gates or will get people tuning in? A lot of people have left, haven't they? They would have just left the States, gone home. So you, you don't, we, we don't know what the restrictions are going to be. It seems like there aren't going to be huge restrictions on travel, but it's just about being quarantined. You can't have to go through two weeks of quarantine before playing or after playing every single tournament. We just don't have the time. This is tennis. It's week after week after week. You play a tournament, you fly, you play. That's just how it goes. It's relentless. It's brutal, particularly post Indian Wells and Miami. So obviously you've got these these four weeks where everybody's very busy. Um, but then when it gets to Europe, it is just next week, next week, next week. It's go, go, go. There's There's no let up. Um, and as I say, you've got the, obviously we have the huge risks of the tens of thousands of people gathering, but we also have the risks of the players traveling from country to country to country, the staff members traveling, uh, the coaches, everybody involved, that's hundreds of people just hopping around. And I know that of course, a lot, a lot of people are continuing to travel, uh, quite freely, but we are going to start getting involved in countries that are real red zones here. And that is, I I agree with you. It's it's a question as to whether they are allowed to do that, but then also whether just as a responsibility, like being a responsible citizen of the world, whether you should be doing that if it's unnecessary, should you be going to Rome and then going on to play the next tournament and going on to another country? You know, possibly not. Yeah. It's, it's a really difficult one. If if you are on the tour right now, would you be happy to still be travelling and moving around? What's your view on as things stand? Yes. Yes, I, I, I would. I don't feel like I'm particularly at risk. And I don't... Look, I think when it all first kicked off, I felt like the reaction was was really panicky. And But it seems to have settled down now. People seem to actually kind of have an idea as to what's going on and as I feel like I don't feel like I'm particularly at risk but I could carry it to people who are at risk uh, like my parents for example or you know, whatever there are people involved on the tour that have underlying conditions you know some coaches or some older older people I mean let alone of course the public the fans who are, are going to come and watch so you just I think it's difficult morally because in my head I'm like it's just tennis at the end of the day, the world is bigger. People's lives are more important than me playing a bit of tennis. And it, say we had to take three months off of the tennis schedule, of course, it would be horrendous for the sport. But for me individually, it's just the same as being injured for three months. So what if I pick up tendonitis and I can't play for three months? It's the same thing. Can I tell you that the toilet roll thing is real? Because I... Oh, yes, I've seen it. Because I've, I've seen it. I've seen it. I, yesterday, yesterday was the big dentist day. Now, the boys dental appointment was cancelled nothing to do with the current situation or the virus mine went ahead unfortunately got through that just about are you okay well I just kept telling I I went in they went how are you and I said I don't like being at the dentist the first thing I said was I don't like being at the dentist and they went okay so you're nervous I said no I'm not nervous I just really don't like the dentist they said you're gonna be okay I said I really don't like the dentist (laughs) and it was like it's like I couldn't stop saying that and and they were like so we're just gonna are you okay I said no I'm fine I just just don't like being the dentist they were like okay then so I I I got through that was fine and I thought I'd just go to the supermarket just to get normal things as in fridge is empty need food and I jokingly said on my little family whatsapp group does anyone want toilet roll um, and, and my mum actually said, oh, yes, you know, run out. And I went to this aisle. It's a major supermarket. I mean, the aisle is as long as a road in a residential street. It was completely empty. 
I mean, completely empty. I tell you the interesting things. The toilet roll was all gone. The dried pasta was all gone. Baby wipes were all gone. Nappies were all gone. And feminine products were all gone. Wow. Which might have been the most surprising. Because you'd only need to be in quarantine for two weeks. But it was, <laughs> <laughs> was, was when I was trying to sort of figure that out. And there were I didn't see any fights, but I did see people's... I've never seen... This was a Monday lunchtime. I mean, it was people... You know, people aren't doing... They're not planning for the two weeks of quarantine. They're planning for, like, some sort of global lockdown. We all have to go in a bunker and not come out for three months. That's what they're planning for. I went to the supermarket yesterday and I saw somebody with a trolley piled up of toilet paper. <laughs> my, my supermarket actually had toilet paper. But, like, absolutely piled. She must have had a hu- 120 rolls. No. That is not two weeks of quarantine. But I, and but it's I, the same with the sanitary products. Like it, it just oh, I don't know what people are doing. And and, and from what I know of the coronavirus, from what you read, I'm not sure any of the symptoms means you need 190 toilet rolls. I know, but I don't understand that. Like, what? Why is that the panic buy? I don't get it. Do you know what? I totally understand hand the gels, hand wash, yeah, hand the wash, gels, yeah. Yep. Totally get yep. that. Like that makes there's some logic to it. But why toilet paper? Toilet rolls, sanitary products. I'd say the pasta was gone. There, what we did have, we did have an incident at the boys' school last week. I, I shouldn't laugh, but it was, it made me smile at the time. So their, the dad was traveling, and they've cancelled all Asian trips. But he went to America, went to New York, which a week ago it was fine. It was da, da, da. so he goes to New York. I go to pick up the boys from school. And their teacher runs out and said, could you just tell me where the boy's daddy is? And I said, yeah, he's in, he's in America. And they said, because the boys have been telling everybody he's in Japan. Oh. And I said, <laughs> I said, no, 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 he's not in Japan. He's in New York. I said, boys, where's daddy? Japan. Yeah, I was listening to of chat on the radio it was a very serious chat but I just had to laugh because I just thought it was hilarious was um basically there were young boys at school I'm sure girls were doing it as well but the people they were talking about were boys that were going around telling everybody they had coronavirus because they thought it was hilarious (gasps) (laughs) and apparently it's just like a thing because you know what I don't think they were about seven years old that sort of thing it's like cooties isn't it it's like oh can't touch me. I'm going to touch you. I'm going to touch you. And everybody running around screaming. <laughs> it's just absolute carnage. But it was this conversation. It was very serious. It was, well, what can we do about this? If we've got boys pretending they've got coronavirus because they think it's funny. And I was just like, this is hilarious. <laughs> it's just... it's, well, I think that's why when I've been speaking to the boys, I haven't said the word coronavirus. I don't think I don't think they should have that word yet in their vocabulary. No. Cause, because, you, you know, four-year-olds, things just come out. In sort of random moments, they say stuff. You're like, you can't say that about general things. So I don't want to give. But I mean, the, the school have been great, and the, the hand washing. They've told them we've got to do this and this, and et cetera, et cetera, and keeping the parents informed that everything's fine. But yeah, I just, I just think that that we they don't. So you tell them there's a bit of a bug or there's a bit of an illness and et cetera, et cetera. But it's look, it, it, it's 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 difficult. It's it's. Things are changing all the time. I mean, from my point of view, I can just carry on as normal and see how things develop and then 
you take action if action's needed. Yeah, but you can't though, because we've been told to not touch our face. Now it turns out I'm a real face toucher. Hang on, who's been told not to touch their face? We have. Who has? People. By who? <laughs> By all of the experts. Don't touch your what? face. Really? Wash your hands. Did you get that? Did you get that message? No, I've always, well, I've always done that, but thank you. I, I am washing a lot, lot, lot But now lot it's more. like after touching anything that's remotely public, don't touch, wash your hands before touching your face. Once you've washed your hands, you can then touch your face as much as you want because it doesn't really matter as long as you wash your hands properly. But yeah, and now I'm paying attention to how much I touch my face. It's a lot. They say it's like 16 times a minute or something on average we touch our face or maybe it's 16 times an hour. I'm not sure. 16 times a minute feels like a lot. It must be an hour. <laughs> I don't think that... Well, depends, because that's how you get it. That's how you get it is by, t- like by... You get it on your hands. That doesn't give you the virus, but then you touch your face and it goes into your eyes. And that's why when you get tired you pick up illnesses a lot more because when we're tired, we touch our face a lot more because you're always kind of holding your head or rubbing your eyes and that sort of thing. I've definitely, I've definitely touched my face an awful lot during this podcast. Have you noticed? Yeah, I can't stop. (laughs) It's just really annoying. I only ever think about not touching my face when I'm touching my face. Oh, and can I just quickly, um, World Book Day was a success. Oh, has it happened? It was last week. I missed it. Well, it was Thursday, but the, oh, yes, the school did it on Friday. Thursday morning, I had no outfits and was thinking this is going to be a disaster. By but f- you had a Where's Wally and a Dragon? No, they hadn't arrived. That was my oh. problem on Thursday morning. <laughs> but by Friday morning, I had a Where's Wally with a hat yeah, that good. looked like a condom. It was awful. I, I kept telling the twin who was wearing it. <laughs> I said, please, can we not wear the hat? And he was like... The hat's my favourite thing. I was like, of course Aww. it is. So we had to walk all the way to school and I'm thinking, it's just... It's Why just... do you understand? Because where's Wally's hat does not look like a condom. This 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 hat, it, it just does. I mean, it's it's, it's awful. <laughs> it wasn't the most... Did you order a different it was... hat? <laughs> it wasn't... Are you sure it this was... was part of the outfit? It wasn't the most... I didn't spend uh, my life savings on the outfit. So probably because it was more a budget outfit, I got a budget hat that looked like a condom. But and I was thinking... I was thinking, please, please take it off. And he's like, it's my favorite thing. And I was thinking, oh, no. So we, we walked to school with a hat that looked like a condom. And we had an orange and red dragon. Great. So I walked to school with it with a dragon and the Where's Wally with a dodgy hat. And everybody was happy. <laughs> and, and, and I was relieved. But then the hat came back. I hoped he'd leave the hat at school. We lost the glasses. But wonderfully, the hat came back. And he said, Mummy, it's my favourite hat. And I thought, I'm just going to hide it. We're just going to get rid of the hat. <laughs> Accidentally shrink it in the wash. I just can't deal with the hat. So World Book Day was a success. I'm not sure there's anything else I've got to be getting ready for on that sense. But we got through that. Anything, obviously, this podcast is always going to be dominated with coronavirus. And this podcast could be out of date tomorrow because yeah. things are changing so quickly. There was um, I, there was a couple of tennis things I wanted to mention. Oh, yeah. Which aren't going to change. Really? Has anything happened? <laughs> Jack Sock has a ranking. I think that's important to oh, put up there. Oh, okay. Right, yes. 384. So he's he's on the charge. And, and Kennan. I wanted to mention Sophia Kennan. She won the title in Lyon recently. Yeah. And following the Australian Open... It's been tough for her, which is understandable. We've seen this with many players, however experienced, whatever age, suffering that little bit of a drop off afterwards. But what I love about Kennan and that I love about her game is she just kept playing. She could have taken a bit of time off. She could have gone and met presidents and whatever you do when you win a Grand Slam. She was tournament, tournament, tournament. She was in Fed Cup. She just kept going and she's got the reward of the title in Leon. 
yeah, this is what she does. She plays tennis and I think that, that's just it. She absolutely loves it. This is what she has trained for since she was five years old. Um, but yeah, good to see that she bounced back. As I say, the dip afterwards is always expected because every tournament you turn up, everybody's saying congratulations, congratulations. And you just kind of go, thank you, thank you, thank you. And you've got a lot more press. There's a lot more things to deal with. Even it will follow you, even though you go to all the different tournaments, there's just a lot more stuff. And you part of you needs to get used to it and then partly it just needs to die down because it just takes a big spike after winning a, an event like that so i'm sure she just needed to get her bearings a little bit uh and then get back on, on to to court and also as you say the fed cup duty i mean that was an epic weekend so that would have been absolutely exhausting and also just perfect timing for kenny she's just won the australian open and then she just rocks up back to the u.s <laughs> playing for a country like oh guys by the way i'm your best player so <laughs> that was well-timed. It just worked out perfectly for her, really, I suppose. But yeah, she's awesome, isn't she? She just does it. She doesn't really care. She's just like, this is what I do. Talking about training, we have entered a race together. Yes. I love this. But we're not going to race. Well, we could race each other the last like no. five metres. No. <laughs> no. Can we not? <laughs> so it's a, it's a race. It's it's just 10K. Yeah. Now, we had the option of running for charity, but I feel like it's not until the back end or, or later on in the year, just after the summer. But yeah. I feel like we could run on behalf of Tennis, seeing as we may be unemployed for the next few months. <laughs> we could maybe raise some cash. Well, that's a good idea. <laughs> for ten, the Tennis team. That'd be great. We could... We could we could do that. Is that allowed? Is that legal? I don't know. Could we? <laughs> I don't know. Could we? Could we run holding our mugs? Yes. And like sort of hold them out. <laughs> yes. Let's do that. Oh, we're gonna have to make t-shirts, tennis t-shirts. Oh, well, t-shirts, that's your area. Mugs. You did. You did the mugs. You did the mugs. You're doing the t-shirts. Okay, fine. Can we just take out the race? It's just ten k run. Well, it's just a ten k. Let's just not. Let's not put a word to it. Let's not put race. Let's not put run. It's just ten k. However, I'm really excited ha- about However it. you get it done. But don't get bossy or anything with me when we're going round. What are you talking about? If I talk too much, <laughs> um, if, I'm, if I'm slowing down a bit. Remember, there's, I'm sure I've told you that story of when I ran the marathon and there was a couple who were running together. And I saw them at the beginning and it was so sweet. He was like, come on, darling, you're doing so well. She's like, this is so great. We're running together and I love you. And it was really sweet. And I took an age to get round because I'm not fast. And I came across them when I picked up a little bit of speed a little bit later and he was almost out of sight and she was saying I can't believe you've done this you said you'd stay with me I don't want to talk to you and I think they were effectively breaking up on the latter half of the marathon because he decided I'm not hanging around with you anymore because you're really slow and off he had gone and I think they actually I think they broke up by the end of the marathon and I just don't want that happening to us no you've got to agree at the beginning so if I agree if we agree to run together, then we will run together. That's that's it. Although you can have a... I, I think I'd give you a clause that you can tell me to leave you alone if you want. <laughs> if you get like halfway through and you're just like, look, you're really annoying. Can you just go away? <laughs> then I'll run by myself. It'll be fine. So we will... Uh, yeah, so we, we, will, we will document how this goes. As Again, it's not a race. I don't even want to call it a run. We're just calling it a 10k, and we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it in eight of tennis, because because we might need the funds by them. Yeah. Well, Ben's supposed to be running the London Marathon, and I don't think that's gonna end up happening. I don't know. It's all guesswork at the moment, isn't it? You just got to prepare well, yourself yeah. either way. It is, and and the main thing is that everyone stays safe. And as you said a while ago, now it's just tennis. 
it's fine. It's if if we don't have it, we don't have it. It's we just don't know what's going to happen. But we wanted to have a little bit of a chat about it on this week's podcast. But as I say, it might be out of date by tomorrow with how things well we are can't lose Miami because we're working together yes actually on we're both working on the men's yes. events in Miami we're going to be sat next to each other it's going to be actually, tennis on the radio next to each live. other so that that could possibly oh and I've got your I've got your wedding present Ooh. and I've got your present from Australia to bring in Oh wow! Okay, it's nearly my one-year anniversary, but thank you very much. It's it's your anniversary present. Even more reasons for the tournament to go <laughs> ahead. I think on that note, I'm going to go out and do some training. I'm going to go yeah. out and train. Okay. Yeah. Cool. We, we, okay. we can give training updates for the 10k, and if anybody <laughs> wants to sponsor tennis, we're not a charity. <laughs> You're sounding you a little bit be. like one. Um, I'm genuinely going to bring a mug with me. And what? And go around with the mug. Yeah, but there's no point unless someone takes pictures of us with the mugs. Well, we'll so. some we'll find we'll find someone to take pictures of us. Okay. Right, okay. We'll okay. We do. I like that okay. idea. It, it is this a long is way off. We have a we have a while to. I'm going to go and do. I'm, I'm September. Yeah, I'm going to go out now and, and get started. But but hopefully, Excellent. I'm going to see you in Miami. Yes. Yes. Can't Fingers wait. crossed. Bye. Fingers crossed. <laughs> if not, we're going to run out of a lot of things to talk about. <laughs>